everybody. Welcome to Purple Politics. Uh, this show is hosted in the Woodlands. It's a discussion between red and blue, and uh, it is hosted by the Woodlands Online. My name is Brian Christ, and I am the chairman-elect of the Republican Party here in Montgomery County. And with me today is Amy. Hi, Amy Hamrick-Lewis. I'm the chair-elect for the Montgomery County Democratic Party. So I think today's show is going to be relatively quick. We've got a few kind of boilerplate things that we want to cover, maybe one you know, where we kind of go back and forth a little bit. And I know, I know folks are probably waiting for us to put the boxing gloves right. on. And, and so, but none of that's going to happen today. And I think even when it does, we're going to, we're going to be pretty civil about I it. That's, civil. that's my intention yes. at least. Um, so I guess the first thing we want to talk about is, is kind of what's going on right now, which is we've got a primary runoff exactly. and, uh, Amy, I'll let you go first. You can go ahead and kind of unpack what's going on in your primary, what, what the state of affairs are sure. for that. Um, so when this comes out on Monday, we will be in the last week of early voting. Um, you'll have already been able to vote on Sunday, and then voting runs Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The Democratic Party statewide has two races, uh, our runoff for Senate, so who will face John Cornyn in November, and that's M.J. Hager versus Royce West. And we have a runoff for Railroad Commissioner. And I'm actually not sure who is on your side in November, but we have uh, Krista Castaneda, I might not be saying that correct, uh, correctly, and Beto Alonso uh, running for railroad commissioner. And in Montgomery County, that's it. We don't have any local races. I know Harris County has a lot of runoff races, so people in the Woodlands uh, who live in Creekside uh, probably have some uh, judge positions, and I maybe uh, actually a um, state no, maybe even a congressional representative race. I could be wrong about that. But statewide, we just have two. Okay. Yeah, so um, our ticket's pretty light as well for this, this primary runoff. We, we basically we have a, a judge's race, two, two, judge, two judicial races, right? Mm -hmm. One of them is the 457th court. Um, that's a, a new civil court. In and, Montgomery County. Yeah, in Montgomery County. Um, and then we have the 9th District Court of Appeals race. Um, and that's also a, a ju judicial race, but it's it's actually bigger than, than Montgomery County. It goes, I think, all the way up to like Jefferson County, I believe. Um, so that's a much bigger race. So at minimum, folks in Montgomery County will in the Republican runoff will see those two races. If you're up in the Conroe area, you also have a constable runoff race, and so the folks up there will be weighing in on that. Uh, just to give y'all an idea of how voting so. So as Amy mentioned, we're, we've got one week of early voting in the, in the bag. So today is not, um, there's no voting today. Um, there's no voting tomorrow, July 4th and everything. But the polls will be open on Sunday. So 12 to 5 on Sunday, and then the next week of early voting will commence. And so just to kind of give you an idea where we're at, in the Republican primary, we've had about 8,100-ish, um, I'm kind of rounding, 8,100 uh, votes so far. And about 3,800 of those uh, were from absentee ballots, your mail-in ballots, basically. And so um, those numbers are really low. And even though these aren't what I would call headliner races, they're super important. You know, you're, you've got some, you know, something that you need to have sorted out in front of the court. You know, that, you know your judicial uh, races, that, that's what that is, right? So, uh, Amy, how are your... Yeah, our numbers are even lower. Um, I think our races are less contentious than one of your local uh, judicial races. So we've had a, just over 3,000 votes come in, and over 1,900 were mail-in ballots. 
we definitely had an increase, and we had an increase, I believe, in the primary. Well, actually, I take that back. We might not have had a huge increase in the primary because that was right before COVID got really bad here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely have had uh, an increase in people wanting mail-in ballots uh, for the primary runoff and even starting for the general. Um, so we have had about 1,900 for the primary runoff. And again, I mean, runoffs, primaries are important, right? Because that's when you're picking who represents your party, mm-hmm. not just, um, of course, November is who's represents you overall, which is very important. But, um, you know, this really shapes the way your party looks in your area. Mm-hmm. It can make, for the Democrats, it can make it a much more progressive party. It can make it a much more moderate party. And that mm-hmm. can have significant change, you know, uh, effects as you go on down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in your race, uh, your party too, you have kind of the Tea Partiers and then more of the, I don't know, we call you all established Republicans. I don't know if you have your own term for it. I don't actually but... like those. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of that that nomenclature. Maybe we can talk about that here in a second, but uh, yeah. But it can really shape how your party looks. Um, and I think that that's important. Uh, people should realize that even though there are certain politicians that make the news, right, that's not really always the party um, everywhere that you live. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of Republicans who are worried about the Democrats becoming too progressive, they always point to AOC in New York. Mm-hmm. And, oh, she's bringing the party so far to the left and she's a socialist. She represents a very liberal, small portion of New York. She would not get elected in Montgomery County. Probably. I, I, I'll take your Democrat. word for it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so she represents where she lives and her district. That's and she just ran a primary and won against three other uh, Democratic candidates and one handedly 70 something percent. So that is obviously where they live. That's a very liberal area. And so when you're voting here for Democrats, you're, we're going to shape what the Democratic Party looks like in Montgomery County and and who we feel can win going up against the Republican candidates in Montgomery County. So that's why it's important, even though people like to say, oh, but we're voting for Democrats and I just want a Democrat. And that's true. But what kind of Democrats are we? Are we more to the left? Are we more to the center? Um, so that's something people should really think about when they go to the primaries um, and vote. Yeah. And so I think you kind of just segued into the thing that we were going to talk about next, which is really... Why are we doing a primary? What's the purpose of it? I, we kind of talked about this last show, last show that, you know, people were coming into the polls. They were saying, oh, I'm, I'm voting straight ticket. And you're like, yeah, no, <laughs> you've got this all wrong. Like, this is a primary. And, and really to kind of understand what that means just for the audience, um, we're a party system, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so um, we typically focus on the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, but there are other parties. There's sure. the Libertarian Party. I understand they had their convention here recently. Mm-hmm. I think they did it digitally, right? So there are other parties. Right. Um, and these parties basically muster up their resources. They put up their candidates. And that's the person that, that gets you know put into the general election, right? And so um, it, it is your opportunity to say, you know, so for the Republican Party, it's our opportunity to say, this is the Republican we want to square off in the general election. We, this is the person we think will best represent us best advance our values and and then of course they square off with the democrat and sometimes there's like i said there's a libertarian or an independent on the ticket as well right yeah yeah and so that you know and that that plays into kind of the game of politics right so do you vote your values and vote okay so i'm more progressive i want a progressive candidate or do you vote who you think will win 
more easily in November. Well, maybe even though I'm more progressive, maybe we need a moderate Democrat to go up against a local Republican. Um, so that's kind of the game of politics. Um, and some people play that way. That's certainly, um, you know, you have to vote whichever way you feel comfortable. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you can feel good about about your vote. Yeah, it's a, that's a great point. I mean, when when I, people go to the voting box on you know pri- during a primary, you know, there's really two sets of people. I mean, they, I think they they think about you know does this candidate represent, and then there's another group of people that say, do they have a path to victory? Right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to cast their vote behind somebody that they don't think can't win. Right? And so uh, you know, I know uh, specifically of organizations that. They pick their candidate because of a path to victory. I know organizations that endorse their candidate because they're more purist and they think, well, it's the values that matter. So that's a constant struggle, even in the, in the primaries, who's going to, who's going to win? Is it going to be the, you know, the, the the person that appeals on the values or is there's going to be a little bit of concession made because they think this person can actually win. Right. Right. So, and I think, you know, this is such a great time to be active in politics. You know, of course there is, you know, you have to be careful on the internet with dissemination of false information, but we have such an opportunity to hear directly from candidates um, on all issues on all sides. And so, you know, it's so much easier these days to be an educated voter. Mm-hmm. For the especially for partisan races, sometimes for really local races it can be hard. But for partisan races, um, you know, I know our candidates um, for well across the board in Harris County, the local candidates, but also the ones that we all are going to be voting on statewide for Senate and Railroad Commissioner did several online debates and dozens of online town halls. And so people can sit at home and have access to Mm -hmm. hearing from the candidates directly, which, you know, Mm -hmm. was not the case for so long. And I think back to when I first got involved in politics in college, I thought, how in the world did I canvas and knock on people's doors and say, vote for this person? How did I even know what they were, um, you know, advocating for? But it's, it's so... We have so much information at our fingertips now. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage people to go to candidates' websites engage with them in town halls um, and, you know, ask them to take part in debates because we have such an opportunity to hear directly from them. There's no reason that we should not be able to go to Royce West or MJ Hager and say, what are your plans if if you win this runoff? What are your plans against Cornyn? What are your plans once you get elected? You know, we have, we just have a great opportunity. Yeah. It, so I just kind of want to, you know, double down on what you said. Uh, for the folks of you that haven't voted yet, right, do that research. Go, you know, there's only a handful of 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 candidates in these races. Go to MontgomeryVotes.org mm-hmm. and you can actually get a sample ballot, right? So you can see who you're, you'll be selecting or who you'll be asked to, to choose uh, when you vote. And then go do your research, right? It, it only takes a few minutes, right, to go Google, follow the content that these candidates have put out there. And, uh, and and hear the narratives on both sides, right. right? So, And I should make a plug for League of Women Voters, which we have uh, recently has reformed in Montgomery County in the past couple of years. And they do vote411.org. And they send questionnaires out to all the candidates on the ballots, both sides. They're completely nonpartisan. And they publish them exactly in their own words. It's not yeah. editorialized at all. And they ask every candidate the exact same question. So you can get an apples-to-apples comparison between 
uh, your judicial candidates, between our candidates, um, it's a really valuable resource. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about you, but I actually, you know, when I was running my race, mm-hmm. I, I submitted my, yep. uh, along with a host of other organizations, but that right. was one of the ones that I submitted my information yeah. to. Yeah. And I think the good thing about them is that they go all the way from, from federal, all the way down to local, and it's always vote411.org, wherever you are in the country, and then you put in your address and it gives you your ballot. Mm-hmm. So it's a really easy way to get to exactly who's going to be on your ballot and what they have to say. And I think it's important. I mean, there are some candidates who don't bother to fill those out, and I think that says a lot. If you're not willing to be held accountable in really the most basic way, filling out a written questionnaire, then... You know, that says a lot yeah. about your willingness to, to be there and be a representative of your constituents. So I, I've got a question just, <laughs> just occurred to me. I want to just ask, you know, what your thoughts are. So one of the things that's happened to me recently since I've, I've been in this chairman-elected mm-hmm. position is I'm, I'm getting people asking me during the primary, right. you know. And, and I, I, I made a pledge during the campaign trail that I said I'm going to be, um, you know, um, neutral mm-hmm. is, I guess, the word I'm looking for. Um, and so I've had to basically say to folks, you know, I can't answer that. Right. I'm sorry, right? Like, is are, is it the same for you? Are y'all, are y'all... Yeah, and we're supposed to, in our rules, uh, county chairs are supposed to say neutral. There's a little bit of uh, controversy about whether precinct chairs can say neutral or whether mm-hmm. they can um, endorse candidates. That's a little bit up in the air uh, right now. So, and it's hard because um, I have been... Uh, an organizer. I have been active in the party. And so people are used to coming and saying, who are you voting for? Do you mm-hmm. have a sample ballot? So it's really hard for me to scale back and say, I can't really say who. Um, and it's going to be even harder. It's it's not quite official. You know, since I haven't been sworn in, I'm not officially chair right. yet. So I have a little bit of wiggle room, but <laughs> I don't want to abuse that. And so I try to stay um, as neutral as possible. But it is hard. I do have opinions. And strong opinions in some cases. I do try and say, well, are you, you know, are you more moderate? Are you more progressive? What matters to you? Does experience matter to you? Does passion matter to you? You know, look at this person has a lot of experience, but this person has a lot of, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so try and get them to, to think about what is important to them and what questions they should be asking themselves when they look at the candidates to know. You brought up something interesting, which is the kind of the hot potato with the precinct change, mm-hmm. right? Like we 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 talk about that too, right? And I, so um, I think we read a disclaimer on here. Like this is my personal right, exactly. opinion, right? Exactly. We are not, not representing. I'm not party. representing the party on this. <laughs> um, but it's it's I'm firmly of the belief that you know precinct chairs really shouldn't be in endorsing mm-hmm. at least under the banner of precinct chair. Like I, no one's taught. Like I don't ever. Foresee, you know, like it doesn't make sense to me that you strip somebody of their first, like you can't. They they still have their First Amendment right. right. Like they still have their personal opinions. Um, I, I think a precinct chair should be able to say, "Hey, you know what? You know, I, I like this person, but I, I, it, I find it maybe a little distasteful if they say, you know, under the banner, you know, mm-hmm. and well, as your precinct chair, you know, I you know, I, I, whether they should be able to do that or not, I, you know, I think that it, it, at best it's. I don't know. It just doesn't set right yeah. with me to, you know, let let the merits of your own personal opinion carry mm-hmm. this way. Don't don't leverage the position you hold. And I I kind of take the other side. I okay. think that especially I think you should have you have to recognize whether you're educated enough 
if, if you've educated yourself enough to mm-hmm. make that decision. I don't think if you're going to use I'm a precinct chair, I don't think you should, it should just be like a gut reaction. I think you should be able to, to back it up. Mm-hmm. But you are, you were elected by your voters. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that that makes you a leader mm-hmm. in your area. And so I think that that you have not a responsibility, but you people do look for you for, for information. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be almost irresponsible if you just said, oh, I support Joe Smith with nothing to back it up and no reason, maybe just because you like Joe Smith and you've you know, your kids play together. But if you can say, I've researched these candidates and Joe Smith wants to do X, Y, and Z for us, and I am aligned with that, then I think that that can be a really powerful. Okay, so let me just press a little harder on mm-hmm. this one. Just so, so the, you know, we both talked about the whole, you know, as county, we're like, we're trying to stay right. out of it. What do you think would be, like, what's the difference between the, that position versus the precinct right. chair? Because, the you know, there is a difference right now. Right. I think because when you're leading the party, you're, you're, one of your jobs is to help all of your candidates with the foundation or the basics of how to run and, and what they need to be doing to, to run a successful campaign, especially on our side where we haven't had a lot of Democratic candidates in so long. People don't even know how to file sometimes because there's not that, that, that structure hasn't been in place. So I think a county chair has a responsibility to everybody running. They're kind of all of, you know, kind of like a mother duck with all of her ducklings. She has to keep everybody going in the same direction. And so I think that's the difference. I don't think the precinct chairs individually have that kind of responsibility to help all of the Democratic candidates on an individual level in the primary. Maybe you can make the argument that they do, certainly if they come together at the CEC. But I think that they're in a unique position where they're, one of their responsibilities is educating the voters. It's see, I, I, see, comes, I, you know? That's why I'm pressing on it, right? Because I'm coming at this from the angle of like, possibly what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Right? Or like and, you just yeah. used a bird analogy, so that came to mind, right? But... So I, I, that's where I struggle, right, is why we said to the chairman that, mm-hmm. that she should remain neutral because, really, your precinct chairs, in a lot of ways, their responsibilities are the same as the chairman, just not at a grander level. Right. Well, right? I think there also runs into, certainly would not happen in our positions, but if you had somebody who was less scrupulous in that position, mm-hmm. because you are in charge of making sure they file. You, you know, you're presenting the paperwork to get them on the ballot. So you run into a position where somebody could sabotage somebody's campaign from even getting off the ground, right, if they didn't want somebody to run. And so I think that's why there's a little bit higher standard because you have more – there's more you can do to help or hurt a campaign. I would hope that reasons. wouldn't happen. <laughs> I would certainly hope that wouldn't happen. But we're human, right? I mean, everybody's human, and certainly there are bad actors in politics just like there's bad actors – anywhere. So I think when you have responsibility like that, you have to have a little bit more checks and balances. Um, But again, now that you're talking about making them analogous, I guess I wouldn't have a huge problem if we said to precinct chairs, you need to stay neutral. I just know, I just, I'm thinking right now of several of our precinct chairs who are so active and so engaged and so smart when it comes to politics. And I think that to make them not be able to pass that on to voters is more of a disservice just because they're precinct chairs. Well, and from the get-go, I said that, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not super strong on right right because I but at the end of the day that's where I've landed mm-hmm. right is I like I said whether it's right or wrong I just what it, what it feels to me like sometimes is you've got this you've won this title right like mm-hmm. you've got this title because you got elected and right and it carries a little bit of like to the to the person who's never even met a precinct chair and you say to them I'm a, I'm a precinct chair for the Republican Party they're like Oh wow! You know, right. they, don't, they don't know that it's the low man on the totem pole, right? Um, but it does have a, and it, it, it lands an impression, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think with it, it carries a little more sway than if they just asked you, right? And that's why I'm very cautious when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So now, do you carry that on to other elected officials? Do you think that other elected officials should or shouldn't endorse for races that aren't? Equally great is a, equally good of a, a question. I, I, in fact, I know elected officials who have said, I, you know, I'm, I just don't, I don't get involved, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and maybe that's the safe play. Whether that's whether it's right or wrong, I'm right. not saying it's safe to do that, right? So, um, I, I, what, what we live in, right, our current atmosphere mm-hmm. isn't it candidates are endorsed candidates all right. over the place. I mean, from the <laughs> federal government exactly. down, right? Yeah. Like you know, Trump's out there endorsing mm-hmm. a ton of people right now, right? right? So. Uh, it's happening. I think that's a great discussion that folks should be having with their friends, neighbors, and their own household. Um, and you know, and, and if if you ended up, you know, being elected to office or serving as a precinct chair, you know, that would have been something good to to figure it out in advance. So, yeah, definitely encourage people to have that discussion. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing that we really kind of had that we were going to talk about was, you know. So once somebody does get elected, right. how long should they be there? Exactly. Right? Term, Term limits. limits. So I'll kind of let you start this one okay. off because it sounds like you <laughs> kind of bantered it back and forth with some folks. And, I, and, and you know, we talked offline, you know, how I feel. But so go ahead uh, if you want start off and just. Yeah. So I actually put this question out to several of our uh, liberal uh, groups in the area and said, what do you think? And got back. There's definitely two pretty clear camps uh, with some people kind of picking and choosing from from both sides. But there's definitely the absolutely yes, we need term limits and they should be fairly short, what I consider fairly short. Uh, If we're talking about Congress at the federal level, two terms for senators, so 12 years, and six terms for representatives, so also 12 years. Mm -hmm. And then we have the camp that term limits are elections and everybody has the chance every time there's an election to hold their elected officials accountable, and that's the only place that we should be doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that, again, I've not completely made up my own mind. I definitely feel, and we talked about this earlier, I definitely feel that there are people who make this their job, and that doesn't always leave us in the best position as Americans to have people in their their jobs in in Congress for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we need a limit so people aren't in their 80s and 90s still making decisions Mm -hmm. for us because they've been in there long enough to amass a war chest that absolutely nobody can overcome um, during the elections. But I also feel that making their terms too short is really going to be at the detriment of the workings of the government. You have, if you have 
nobody in there has more than 12 years experience at all. How do you pick leaders? You know, we have the, the, each house picks their own, or each chamber picks their own leader for the majority party and the minority party. Mm -hmm. How are you going to know who deserves that position if nobody's been there long enough to stand out? Mm -hmm. And how do you stand out when you're not there that long? And how do you become a ranking member of the Ways and Means Committee and be in charge of the budget for all intents and purposes? Obviously, there's checks and balances, but we all know that the ranking members of some of these committees are really the ones who are deciding which direction that committee goes. So when Kevin Brady was on Ways and Means, very influential. The veterans, different veterans committees, the military committees, do you want somebody who's only been in politics for three years making decisions on our military spending or what we're, you know, we're, it's just, it, it seems to me that we don't want our government continuously dealing with rapid turnover and making huge decisions on budgets and policy with very little experience. Mm -hmm. That seems like a slippery, dangerous slippery slope to me. Yeah, so kind of what you described is very similar to what happens inside the Republican Party. I've talked to so many folks about term limits. I've kind of landed where you have. I don't have strong opinions one way or another. Like when I started thinking about this subject years ago, I was immediately in favor of term limits. Mm -hmm. Like I went just out the gate, you know, yeah, term limits are great. Um, and then, you know, I was talking to somebody who was, was a very, you know, liberty-minded kind of constitution. And again, I, it's not really fair to characters. Let me back that up. Because I like even in our party, right, like you use the terms, I think, establishment team. I hate those terms. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, maybe in another show I'll unpack <laughs> why that is. But um, it doesn't really, like, I can't, you know, I can't look at somebody's, you know, comments on other issues and mm -hmm. go, yeah, they're going to be for term limits, right? right. Like it just it has never played out that way. Um, and even for me personally, I've gone, I've oscillated between my positions on this. And I think the, I think the reality of it is, is that we talk, we're trying to solve this problem. We, mm -hmm. we conceptually understand the problem, but we also understand that there are big ramifications to whichever path we choose, right? Like you do get career politicians um, you know, I think if I asked a room full of people to raise their hand, if they, they're know of a politician that should have been gone by now, I think everybody could raise their hand mm -hmm. and identify at least one person. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the, then the other argument was the one that you made, which is the voters, if they're tired of a person can and vote them out. Right. right. Um, certainly a challenge to do that. I mean, statistically the incumbent has the advantage, right. Um, can be done. It happens. It does happen. You know, I think there's maybe a few people in the primary, not 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 that in or in. Maybe I think I read one in California. A person taken out was an incumbent was mm -hmm. taken out, right? Um, so it does happen. Um, it's just more challenging to do. And so you know, then well, now I'll, I'll I'll go back and I'll play the opposite <laughs> side of that, right? So you know, when I hear people say, "Well, no, I'm not in favor of term limits," and I'll say, "Well," Do you realize that, you know, if we didn't have it, you know, we could have had a third term under the Obama administration, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and and once upon a time, presidents were right. term limited, right? And then we came along and added that. And so, um, you know, then you kind of like, 
reel people back. Like it's not a cut and dry issue. It's really not. And and you know, if you ask me tomorrow, you know, whether I'm in favor of term limits, you might get a different answer from me <laughs> than if you ask me, you know, yet another day in the week. So um you know, it's, I think it's something that people are going to have to wrestle with individually, and there's no clear-cut answer. And I think the problem, at least on our side, tell me if there's something else that you all are worried about, but I think the problem that we're trying to remedy on our side when we talk about term limits is holding elected officials accountable. And we touched on this in our first broadcast, is how do you hold them accountable when our voter turnout is so low and the politicians know that they're not necessarily, that they're not they can take off a lot of people that aren't going to come out and vote for them. So why are they worried about, mm-hmm. about um, paying attention to those, to those constituents? And so I think there's other ways we address that, that make the argument of term limits moot. And we, again, we talked about this before. I do think we need to put a cap on money. I think we need to do, get, do away with citizens United, whether that's by making a constitutional amendment, whether that's, doing something to come to another uh, Supreme Court decision, but we get rid of that. I do think we need public financing of elections. I would not necessarily, unless somebody had a really good counter argument, be opposed to caps on how much you can spend in certain types of elections. And of course that would go, I mean, that would, you wouldn't be spending the same amount on a school board election that you would be on a presidential election, right? There would be um, a gradient there. But I think, and I think we need to come up with some creative out-of-the-box ways of getting people to vote, because that's really what it comes down to. When you look at from the primary to a primary runoff, if there is one, to the general, the number of people who actually participate in putting somebody in Congress, somebody in the White House, it is such a tiny number of the entire United States population, even the United States adult eligible to vote population. I think that's where the true problem is. And I I could come up with half a dozen small ways to make that happen. I don't know if all of those small ways, if if they were all implemented, if that would make a big enough change, or if there's some out-of-the-box big idea that we're missing. But we need some way to get people to vote. And we need, we definitely need to make it easier to vote. We definitely need to do more to stop voter suppression, to stop gerrymandering. You know, what's the quote that people should be picking their, their elected officials, elected officials shouldn't be picking their voters. As has happened in the last 15 years or so, 20 years with the, the rampant gerrymandering. And I think those issues, if we could move toward fixing those issues, then the term limits take care of themselves because people actually have a way to hold their elected officials accountable. Okay, so you got you went through a lot of stuff. Yeah, there was a so, lot. <laughs> so I'm shocker. I'm not going to agree with you on right. some of the stuff. Uh, and I want to. I kind of want to pick apart at least two of them because I think you used. I think you used some language in there that people don't understand. Like okay. I think yes. Citizens United mm-hmm. probably goes over most people's heads. So I want to kind of explain what Citizens yep. United is. So Citizens United was a lawsuit that was brought essentially because, and this is where you get PACs from. So basically the idea was that, um, you know, people wanted to pool their money together. So you had small, individually, right? Like, you know, you, you give a hundred bucks, right? And, you know, you give a hundred bucks and, and, and it's less impactful 
But if you come together and you pool that money, mm-hmm. right, and then you present, you know, you know, twenty thousand dollars, it's far more impactful. It's a much bigger statement. And so, really, at the heart of Citizens United was: Are people free to do that with their money? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, are they able to speak through their dollars that way? I, I came down on the side of and saying, "Yeah, like, I, I maximum freedom. You should be able to pull your money." Um, I, I, you know. Whether you agree with the pack, you know, and how those things operate, you know, I think that's a different issue, right? But the freedom of the individual to come together with like-minded individuals, to pool their money together and say, we want to advance this cause, I, I believe in that. Um, what was the other thing that I thought... Um, <laughs> there's so <laughs> many, it kind of, I, kind of threw me you off You didn't there. cut in, so I just kept going. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I was thinking that that was the, probably the one that I wanted to just kind of touch on on the most. Um, Which is why I come back to caps on the actual election. Because then people could still pool their money. But the amount of money you can give to one election is is capped at, the, at an appropriate level. There are, in the Woodlands, the township election, for example, I think is a perfect example. That is an unpaid position. Nobody on that board draws a salary, and yet people were spending forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars to get elected. Obviously, there's power in that position, whether it's that position itself or they see it as a springboard to higher positions. But the Woodlands presents itself as small town America, and when people think about small town America and a board that is is overseeing small town America, they think that anybody in that town should be able to hold a position on the board, right? Because it's to represent the the residents of that town. And so those are the type of elections you see on Hallmark movies where, you know, the the baker runs for, for city council or school board and gets elected, you know, by knocking on doors and, you know, passing out lollipops. But PACs are putting in tens of thousands of dollars for an unpaid township board that doesn't even have the power of a city council. Mm -hmm. That just seems very wrong to me. And and then you see in school boards, there are definitely school boards across the country where it is more, it's it's people in that community that have vested interests in the children of that community being educated. There's parents, there's uh, business owners that are going to be hiring these kids when they graduate. And then there are times where PACs come in because they have an end goal. Is the end goal to bring in charter schools? Is it to completely privatize? Is it to bring in religious schools? Whatever their end goal is. And they're flooding these elections with high dollar amounts that the regular people who are running for those positions are never going to be able to raise and that just seems antithetical to democracy to me. I understand where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, I still support the right of the people. So you're you're right. A lot of these packs, they have a um, they're typically well, no, not always, but a lot of times they're like a single issue type. Mm-hmm. Like they're driving to a particular goal. Um, you brought up education. Um, there, I don't know one off the top of my head, but I'm sure there exists a pack that's formed for the purpose of advocating school choice, right? I still support the right of those people to say, hey, you know what? We're united in this particular cause, which is advancing school choice. 
They want to pool hard to get money together. And a lot of times the way these PACs operate is they'll vet candidates, right? Like, you know, I would consider myself more or less an average Joe. I mean, dabbled in politics, you know, um, my wife is politically active to, you know, to a great extent, but, you know, never run for anything before besides precinct chair, right? Like, you know, and so, um, I, I just went through the paces, right? Like I, you know, I I announced my, you know, went to the different forums. I, I filled out vetting forms, right? And, uh, and then I held fundraisers to raise the money. Um, and ultimately I got the support of APAC, right? And, and I was grateful for that, right? Because they brought to the table something that I couldn't do on my own, mm -hmm. right? Um, but it was, you know, I was vetted fairly by, you know, the different organizations. And, and so I didn't get the endorsements of some and I got them on the others. And I, But I, at the end of the day, those people chose me amongst, you know, in my race, which is me and one other person. But I support their right to do that. And I supported the right of the other groups to pick my opponent, right? And I, I just don't want to, I can't see taking that away from folks. Does it make a difference to you if it's a local race and the pack is not local? Um, it, I, no, I don't think, I think it, does. it does. No, and, and the reason why is I come back to the issues. So a lot of times these organizations are trying to advance a particular issue. And sometimes those issues have to be driven. Some issues are best driven from the top down, right? Like you engage at the federal level and you work down. Other issues are best driven by starting at the bottom and, and working the way up. So I no, I don't really, I mean, I think I think the voter, right, at the end of the day, if they see a candidate, because uh, what we're talking about, all, you know, just for the sake of the audience, like when the candidate gets monies, they have to report where they came from, right? And this is all public disclosure. So during the campaign, you'll file a 30-day report, you'll file an eight-day report, and you can go on there and you can see where these monies are coming from, right? And I think the voter would find it very suspicious if one candidate was getting 90% of their money from somewhere outside of the state or outside of the county, doesn't necessarily mean there's something amiss there, but sure, surely it would raise an eyebrow, and at least, you know, ideally it would cause the, the voter to, to investigate that. My caveat to that is that it's not always easy to find out where the money comes from, especially for the hyper-local races. Because, for instance, the Woodlands Township, none of that is online. You have to go to the Woodlands Township office and request the filings. And those filings are all hand-done. They're not, like, we file online. Right, we mm -hmm. we sit down and we type all of our stuff in, and we upload a our Excel file, and then anybody else can can then download that exact file that mm -hmm. we sent. Mm -hmm. It's not like that at all the local races. So the Woodlands, it's handwritten. I think you can type it if you have a typewriter. Um, and then somebody has to go in person to the township office and request a copy, a paper copy, and so there might be a fee involved. I'm not actually sure to get that report. It's not a straightforward process. I looked into getting financial reports for the Conroe ISD uh, race a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, and it's not straightforward. There are rules in place depending on the size of the ISD, whether or not they have to have it online or not, but the people in charge of the Conroe ISD website weren't even sure where to find it. And when I finally did find it, I still needed help getting some of it. The person who was supposedly in charge of that couldn't even find it herself. I had to talk to so it's not always straightforward. And those, I think, are especially the races where we shouldn't be allowing outside money to, 
to drive out interested candidates because they didn't get the recognition of an outside pack. So I think this is probably one place that we can at least have a principle that we agree on, which mm -hmm. is transparency. Right, definitely. You know, I think that um, in the Republican Party, for sure, transparency is a huge issue. It's one of the things that I ran on, right, mm -hmm. is ensuring that everybody knew that when we met, we had always fully transparent as to what was going on, right? Uh, so I'm not saying there's a room for improvement, but, but fundamentally I'm saying uh, that issue aside of if you, how difficult it might be to get it in a particular race, um, I still support the right of the people to come together with their own money collectively as a group. And, and at the end of the day, this may just be one of those things that we, <laughs> we, we walk away on. <laughs> from on, right? And we, and we don't agree on. So um, I don't want to keep hammering on it, but right. that's the position I take is, is the you know, people should have the right to do um, with their money. I, I did recall just while I was thinking um, what the other thing was is mm -hmm. you were talking about the low voter turnout and mm -hmm. it, it I think the, the point you were making was the low voter turnout ends up being an accountability problem. In other words, you perceive that an elected official feels less accountable because the constituents aren't coming out. Could be a problem. But I would argue that maybe you and I, in our positions, are really, and, and along with the, the CECs, right, we're really the vehicle like that's our mission, right? Our mission is to drive voter engagement. And so while I would love to, well, I would love to not place blame on myself <laughs> in that role. I would say that that's, you know, that should be the thing that motivates me is to say, yeah, we should be driving, you know, more, you know, people to the polls should be getting to vote in our races. And these numbers that we're talking about, I mean, I, they do reflect, the problem. I mean, you think about that and where you feel that goes maybe is different for us, but certainly this is a low voter turnout. Right. And and for a, something like a, a judicial race, what was the, the races that you said y'all Railroad have? commissioner, which is not for railroads, and <laughs> the Senate. I mean, these are really important. I mean, people don't understand. They, they look at these towns and say, well, that's not the president. That's right. not my congressman. They're important. They right. do matter. And so it's really, I think, on us right. to say, here's why these races matter. Do a good job of communicating and really get our... In and then when you have more engagement, if you've got an elected official that is, is, is doing what you're saying, right? Well, now they can be held, their feet can be held to fire. I think that's the natural recourse of that. That's I definitely, I definitely think, and I... And that is definitely one of the things I ran on was engaging voters and educating voters because I do think it comes down to education. And, and I've touched on this before. We have so many opportunities, different times to vote in Texas. We have so many different elections and so many different places that we go vote mm -hmm. that it can be confusing. So that's why I wanted a vehicle to educate voters. And then again, we once they know that there's an election, we have to educate them on why it's important. And so I, I agree. It's, I think it is up to us at the ground level to be engaging our voters to get them out. And, and then that's how we get more quality candidates too, right? It's, they see that people are engaged and it motivates people to run. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think we've I think I went we've, much farther. Yeah. Than, but but I, I do want to kind of wrap up with mm -hmm. this. Um, you, you, you made an important point, something I felt like maybe you or I should have mentioned early on.
Um, so July 14th is yes. the day of the runoff. Right. But it's consolidated boxes. Yes. And this is really important. So if you wait till the day of and you go to where you think you should be voting, you might be caught off guard because consolidated boxes in a lot of cases means that two voting locations or even up to three voting locations mm -hmm. have been packed into a single location. So go to you know MontgomeryVotes.org right. and check your voting location, especially if you're going to wait till that last day. Um, because you don't want what you don't want to do is you don't want to get down there at 6:45 to where you think it's supposed exactly. to be, and then not have the time to make it to where it actually is. Right. So, um, and then I guess the last thing I wanted to say was Happy Fourth of July. Yes, right. Happy, that's that's happy tomorrow. Fourth. And uh, and with that, I'll let you do the closing since I'm right. blind as a bat without my glasses <laughs> on. Well, you have been watching Purple Politics, a discussion between the red and the blue here in the Woodlands, Texas. We're brought to you by Woodlands Online. You can watch this on Woodlands Online or listen to it on the Woodlands podcast page, as well as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. We welcome questions, comments, and topics for discussion. Please email us at woodlandspurplepolitics, all one word, at gmail.com. Thanks for joining. Thank you.